0: everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Senior Editor. Hi, everyone. Well, Mara, we are back from a short summer break, but a lot has happened since we've been gone. But let's start with the biggest story, which is the announcement that Days of Our Lives is moving from NBC to the Peacock streaming service on September 12th. Now, there is very little information out right now about this. I believe the news got out too soon for there to be a prepared document, like answering all the questions we have. So this is a story that is on But I know there's a lot of panic and frustration from viewers who don't have Peacock or don't want to pay for Peacock. But I feel there is a bright spot here in that clearly there had to be success with the Days spinoff series Beyond Salem that Peacock wants the mothership under its umbrella as well. I mean, Days had been renewed by NBC through the fall of 2023. There is no indication that it's going anywhere before that. So I think we all need to kind of take a breath and see what unfolds. Yes, I too understand the concerns and apprehensions that uh, viewers have. But we are at a very interesting juncture in broadcast TV. Streaming has very much shaken up how people consume programming. And in my opinion, it was only a matter of time before we saw that have a direct impact on soaps as well. So now that moment is arriving and it will be fascinating to see how this goes and whether the other networks take note and follow suit. And we also have to mention that we are in a very different landscape than when One Life and All My Children had their online reboots. Like I feel like we're in such a better position to have a streaming soap and we've talked about this, you know, before. Mm -hmm. And so to your point, like, We'll see what the future holds. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, there's been some big casting news as well. Um, At Young and the Restless, Trevor St. John, best known to One Life to Live fans for his run as both Todd and Victor, has been hired at the number one soap for a secret role as of now, and he will first air this fall. Uh, I heard there were some very familiar names auditioning for this part, so yay for Trevor. But it's crazy to think that it's been 10 years since he was last in daytime. Also hired at YNR is the talk host, Natalie Morales. She will play an investigative reporter named Talia, who mixes it up with Phyllis and Nikki. Uh, We also have a fun interview with her in the new issue. And speaking of interviews, you spoke to Robert Newman, who, as we saw on screen, has ended his run as Ashlyn Locke. Yes. It warmed my heart when I interviewed Robert over Zoom shortly after he finished up at YNR to see him in his home office, knowing how much emotional wear and tear there had been for him to spend six months 3,000 miles away from where he lives, where his wife and the rest of his family are. He had nothing but glowing things to say about the top-notch cast and crew and writers and producers who he got to work with at YNR, and is so happy that he had the chance to do so. But at the end of the day, the time he spent separated from his family Really confirmed to him that he doesn't want to live in LA. He doesn't want to be by coastal, and therefore he said it was a relief to him when the producers decided to stick with their original plan for Ashland, which was to kill him off. He said if there was a soap filming in New York, still it would be a no-brainer to do it, but unfortunately there isn't. So I don't think it's likely that we'll see him pop up on another daytime show for any significant length of time. And I know that that is not what a lot of GH fans want to hear, because as soon as the news broke that he was done at YNR. People started advocating on Twitter, as they've done in the past, for G.H. to hire him as Jeff Weber, Liz's dad. Well, that would definitely be some great casting if it were to happen. I mean, I think fans, including myself, just want to see anyone playing Jeff Weber. <laughs> this yeah. You know, I feel like the idea of bringing back Liz's family has been a dangling carrot, if you will. And it's high time we got some movement in that department. Uh, now, in other casting news, Days' Brandon Mirage has wrapped his run as Jake Demara, only to be resurrected as Stefan, the role he played before Jake. So for anyone keeping score, Stefan was killed and his heart went to Julie. In the current story, Jake's heart will go to Stefan, courtesy of Dr. Rolf, now played by Richard Wharton. I know many fans were upset to see that Will Ute wasn't playing the role, but it is my understanding that that choice was made by Will, not by the show. Will Ute was kind of an icon, but I I have to say my hat is off to the day's casting team because Richard Wharton is such a fine. Uh, it isn't one of those recasts where the person looks so physically different that it's jarring. And I'm really enjoying his presence so far. Uh, it is kind of wild to see Days doing something we have come to expect from GH, which is recasting very familiar faces as new characters, or in the case of Brandon, a returning character with him reprising Stefan and Robert Scott Wilson, trading in Ben for Alex. But you know, both of those actors are quite popular assets for the show, so I can certainly understand Days being willing to break the fourth wall a bit to keep him around. Oh, me too. I mean, head writer Ron Carlovati said it on our last podcast, you know, Rob didn't want to leave, so they found a way to keep him, which I think is wonderful. Uh, now, our guest today just marked a major milestone in Port Charles. It's Rebecca Herbst, who has been gracing our screens as Elizabeth Weber for the past 25 years. So let's check in with her and talk about the past quarter century.
1: Hi, Becky. Well, hello. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you? Good. Uh, we are so happy you're with us today. Uh, you have been a very in-demand guest, so it's been a week to be talking to you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, we are going to take a look back at your general hospital career. Happy anniversary. Um,
0: Thank we're, you. We're going to start at the very beginning. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> because you started acting at a very young age. So tell yes. us, if you remember, about how you knew that this was something you were interested
1: in doing and how you actually got your start. Okay, well, I started acting when I was six years old. I did a ton of commercials when I was younger. I did um, bit parts in, like, Movie of the Weeks and a lot of different sitcoms. I loved doing sitcoms. Um, the, the job that I had right before general hospital, I was uh, on space cases. It was a Nickelodeon show and that shot in Montreal. And during that time that I was in Montreal, it's absolutely beautiful there. But I realized that I didn't want to be out of LA because I was really homesick and I needed to be near my family and my grandmother and my sister. And so when I got back home, and started auditioning again. And then this role came up. I was like, okay, if I get this, I'm going to take it because it's here in LA or I'm going to go to school. Like that was, that was, i had already a long career at that point, And I decided like, yes, this is what I was going to do. And so when I, when, when general hospital called for an audition, I actually was auditioning for the role of Sarah. And I went into screen test, and it was me and, like, six other blonde girls. And I was like, hmm, I feel really out of place. Like, what am I doing here? (laughs) And so, um, of course, they ended up passing on me. And I was like, yeah, that, that makes sense. I get it. They were not looking for my type. And about a month later, they called and said that Wendy Rich had developed a character for me and would I like to do this? And it was for Sarah's sister. And that's how it all happened.
0: <laughs> well, I have to say two things. Number one, I recently found a little nugget on YouTube, which is you playing the role of Becky on 90210 in 1993, oh my uh, getting, getting a, sort of the victim of a hissy fit By Jenny Garth. That must have been fun. But then uh, secondly, I just reread an interview I did with Mark Teschner, the casting director of General Hospital, where he talked about how he'd started auditioning you at the age of 16 and just always knew like we have to find something for her. This girl's got something. So I I love that in context that Wendy saw it too, and Elizabeth was born. Yes, I
1: I believe that I started, I think I was 14 the first time that I saw Mark. And there was a couple times that I was in and out of his office and nothing really fit. And then this happened. And it's just so funny. I was in his office just last week, just catching up and, and talking with him and it's kind of surreal that it's been that many years yeah. that I've known him.
0: Amazing. So do you remember your
1: like first day as Elizabeth specifically? Um, well, funny story. When I went to audition for the role of Sarah, I was walking through the parking lot with my mom And I totally ate it. I fell in the parking lot. I skinned my knees. My mom and I just died laughing. And she was like, do you want to go home? I was (laughs) like, at this point, I don't care. Let's just go. I'll just audition. (laughs) Like, who cares? And so I was super duper relaxed. (laughs) But to answer your question about um, my first day on the set was, uh, it was really overwhelming. Um, the soap world is nothing like anything that I had done before. Uh, their pace, the timing of how fast we go is just it was incredible to me. And I remember being called up to set. and there's a couple ways in the building that you can get up to set. and I got lost. And when I finally made it up there, the director yelled at me for being late. I was like, "Oh, this is this is not a good start." But then I had just—I think it was two scenes where I was sitting on the porch, smoking a cigarette, telling Sarah that the stork brought me, and <laughs> um, and that was it. And it was over in before I knew it. I was like, "Wow, this is okay, and this is kind of interesting. We'll see how it goes." <laughs> Well, when Elizabeth arrived on the scene, she was a bad girl, which we know because,
0: as you mentioned, she was smoking cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you also hopped a plane by herself to poor Charles. So do you feel like you understood Liz from the start and could easily channel this, like, less than angelic persona of hers? Or did you feel like it was a fake it till you make it kind of situation?
1: Well, it's funny because I have an older sister as well, and she is, um, she's just brilliant. And she's, you know, she went to law school and like very studious and very type A personality, unlike me. And so it was funny that I could relate to having an older sibling that was always a high achieving, you know, type of type of person. Um, so yeah, in a way I, I could relate to, to Elizabeth. I, I wasn't sitting on the front porch of my mother's house or my grandmother's house smoking cigarettes, but you know, I understood the dynamic between the two sisters. <laughs> so,
0: uh, of course it was a landmark story for the character of Elizabeth and for the show when she was raped in the park the night of the school Valentine's Day dance in 1998. And Mm -hmm. this story um, was personal in particular to Michelle Valjean, who was part of the GH writing team and was so open about how her real life experience informed the telling of Elizabeth's healing journey. Uh, So I know that you and Michelle actually spoke at length before you started shooting that story. Like, do you
1: remember having that conversation with her? Oh yeah, I, um, that's something you, you don't forget. Uh, she she um, she's an incredibly strong and brave and beautiful woman, and for her to um, trust me with her story was something that it it took a while to process for me. Um, But it was so incredibly helpful for the story, and I needed to know. I needed needed to know what she went through. And that definitely, I carried that with me throughout the entire storyline.
0: Well, we didn't see the rape on screen, but the aftermath certainly played out. And I remember those scenes so vividly to this day. Um, Now, what do you remember about the actual day or days of filming those episodes?
1: You know, it's kind of it's, it's a little bit of a blur, blur. Um, it just, it was a lot, I hadn't been on the show that long and to have to be so vulnerable and with such a sensitive subject matter. Um, I, I remember thinking that I didn't want to disappoint, especially Michelle. I didn't want to disappoint her. And so, um, I remember being, they tucked me away into the bushes and I was on my hands and knees and, and I was trying to hold my dress strap up, I think, cause it had been ripped. Um, and I just remember like feeling the ground underneath my knees and saying, all right, Becky, this is like, you got to commit, you got to commit. Cause this is not something you, you don't want to, I just, I didn't want to, I just wanted to do it justice, um but it was hard. It was really, it was, it was really difficult. Uh, And then it was interesting when it was over, everybody just moves on to the next set. You know, it's kind of, I was like, Oh wow, this is how it works. Like I just, my heart was ripped out and we did these scenes and I had this guy, you know, grab me and it was kind of frightening for me personally. And then we just move on. But I went home that night and just cried because there was so much emotion built up into, you know, the hour that we were doing those scenes. And I just went home and cried. And I, I think I slept for 12 hours. It was, it was exhausting.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, um, you've told me before that you were uh, sort of naive to how big of an impact the story would have on, on so many viewers and you were only 20 years old, um, Mm -hmm. at the time. And I wonder, you know, as time went on, what it was like for you, not only to be playing such heavy emotion, but also to be inundated with cards and letters from viewers, you know, telling you what the story meant to them personally and sharing their own experiences with sexual assault.
1: Yes. I had no idea the, the impact um, that the story was going to have on, on a lot of people. And of course, back then we weren't on social media (laughs) was a long time ago. Uh, so I wasn't, you know, I wasn't really uh, aware for a while when the, until the letters started coming in the mail and then I would read one by one. I was like, oh my goodness, this is, this is something that, um, can be really therapeutic for people and they've and they've connected to this character and and yes I did not realize that that was going to happen um and then I felt a responsibility to you know to these people to continue the story in a genuine and honest way it was a lot it was a lot well, now, would you say, or just in general, are you the kind of actor who does have
0: a hard time shaking off heavy emotion after a big day of playing it, or is now is it more like flipping a
1: switch when the scene is over? It's definitely like flipping a switch for me now. Um, I've really learned how to separate Elizabeth's life from my life uh, because bringing that home is just not. It's just not healthy. It's not it's not healthy for, for me or for my family. Um, and, and really I, I love what I do and I love to be able to commit a hundred percent when I'm at work and then be able to come home and just shut it off and be like, that was a good day at work. Or, that was, that was fun playing that now I'm, now I'm home. I just can't bring it home emotionally because it, it really drains me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so
0: the relationship between Elizabeth and Lucky blossomed in the wake of the rape and the Liz Lucky romance was a huge hit. And I think Mm -hmm. it's close to the hearts of so many fans, you know, to this day. Uh, So your leading man in that story, of course, was Mr. Jonathan Jackson, the original Lucky. So what are your standout memories of working so closely with Jonathan?
1: The first thing I, I realized about Jonathan was that he was a very um, deep, emotional, kind person, and he was super gentle with me, which I thought was, like, extremely mature because he's, he's definitely younger than I am, Um and so I felt, I was, I was not expecting such a, a young person to be, to take care of me emotionally during those scenes. And he really did. He, he really helped me and supported me. And um, I just, I felt very safe in his presence from day one. And I think that translated to the screen.
0: Another thing that's sort of a standout from that time period is the Four Musketeers, which was the friendship of Liz, Lucky, Amber Tamblyn's Emily, and Tyler Christopher's mm-hmm. Nicholas. And the audience really fell in love with this group. So what comes to mind about playing that deep connection between the four of them? Well,
1: it's funny. You, you say deep connection, and I immediately think, no, we just had so much fun, and we laughed <laughs> all the time, and we often got in trouble for <laughs> laughing in the scenes. And there, there were times... That the producers would be like, okay, you leave the set, go back downstairs, rehearse the scenes, we're moving them, like get serious. And <laughs> I just remember like, oh my goodness, we're, we just got in so much trouble. We need to buckle down, you guys. But it was so much fun. I loved working with Amber and Tyler and Jonathan. It was just a really, really great mix of personalities. I can still see the four of you at Kelly's to this day. <laughs> Same. Uh,
0: so in 1999, you actually won the Soap Opera Digest Award for Outstanding mm-hmm. Younger Lead Actress. And I'm wondering
1: if you have specific memories of the award show. Y- yeah, my memory is that it was, I, I, I totally spaced. Like the entire night was so overwhelming. And it was my first introduction to an award ceremony. I didn't understand, like, what exactly we were doing there and and then I won and I have no idea what I said and I really would rather not remember um, but it was it was uh yeah, yeah that's what I that's what I remember it was pretty much a blur <laughs>
0: Well, 1999 was also memorable in that your future husband, Michael Saucedo, joined the show as Juan Santiago. Now, Mm -hmm. do you ever like go on YouTube and watch scenes
1: that mom and dad did back in the day? No, and they are not allowed to look us up. (laughs) That's been a rule in my house for a long time. Do not look up your mom and dad. That is so
0: funny. So did you know right away with Michael? I mean, because my story with Kelly Ripa and Mark Consuelos is that when I was covering all my children, I was at the set and Kelly said to me, have you met my Mateo? So she's like, he's so handsome. So she kind of felt something from the
1: jump. Um, What about you? Well, we worked together for an entire year before we realized that 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 was a thing. Um, I just always thought that he was uh, he was so kind and respectful of women and a a lot of times that doesn't you know that doesn't happen and um, I just remember thinking wow he's he's so mature and um, just really respectful and sweet and didn't know much about him but I thought it was great that he was part of the kid group, and and uh, Amber loved working with him. Amber used to talk about him all the time, um, and there was a couple times where with scene, when scenes um, with scenes that Amber and Michael had to make out, Amber would be like, "Can you come up on set with me and just just be there? So that you know it makes me feel more comfortable." I'm like, "Yeah, okay." So I'd go up there and kind of chaperone. Um, Who knew that he was going to end up being my husband?
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty, pretty amazing.
1: Uh,
0: Okay, well, continuing with the theme of 1999 being a significant year, um, it was also a pivotal turning point year for Elizabeth because Jonathan left the show, Lucky was presumed dead, and she forged a surprise connection with Jason Morgan. Mm-hmm. So what do you remember your reaction being when all of a sudden you found yourself working with Steve Burton, an actor who I'm sure you'd, you know, been around at work to a certain extent, but you'd never really been in the same story orbit with him before, because as you said, you were sort of part of the kid story to
1: that point. Right, right. Well, I, I do remember feeling bad for him that he had to work with um, one of the quote unquote kids. Because he was not a part of the kid's storyline. And I felt like he was so much... Um, he was just more of an adult than Elizabeth was at the time. And so I, I actually felt bad that he had to work with me. But, but he was... You know, it was very different. Um, he was very different than Jonathan. And uh, I... You know, Jonathan really... He, he kind of not coddled me, but he really... He, we just had more of a, a gentle relationship, um, and then when I started working with Steve, Steve is such a professional, and he is so prepared, and just is it really like has dialed this this whole soap world in. He knows what he's doing. I just felt the energy shift, and I thought like, oh, I need to step up my game just a little bit because he was he he wanted he wanted a screen partner that. Could match him, match his energy and his work ethic. And so he, you know, he really, he taught me a lot. Well, Lucky, of course, did return alive, albeit in the
0: form of Jacob Young. And he was brainwashed Mm -hmm. and that led to a lot more heartache for Liz and Lucky. And she and Jason kind of went their separate ways as well. But from that first stretch of story between Jason and Liz, the liaison fandom was born. And to this day, they remain quite ardent. I am a liaison. Mm -hmm. What do you think the audience was responding to, either in the story or in terms of the way you and Steve played together on screen that sparked such a big reaction?
1: Oh, uh, that's a, well, it's it's not really tough. I mean, when you look back, it was the girl who had had some, you know, had, had, already lived kind of a tough life and she felt broken and then um, and then this bad boy comes around and softens when he's with her. and I think that's what the audience saw. Um, he was not mob Jason. He became um, this sensitive, soft person around her, which is really sweet. And I, I think that's what they <laughs> they responded to <laughs> is the bad girl or is the bad boy and good girl thing that was happening. And then I was gonna say I also really
0: enjoyed seeing Liz's like backbone come out because I've recently rewatched some scenes where like you were giving it to uh, Sarah Brown's Carly, you know, when she was giving it to you, you know, you were giving it right back, and it was fun to see. That side of Liz as well.
1: Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I love playing scenes when Elizabeth gets a backbone. Um, <laughs> it doesn't happen very often, as we all know. But <laughs> when she does find it, it's it's good. I I love showing that that strong part of her because we all know it's in her. We know that she has the ability to stand up for herself and to dish it out and um, and you know and have her voice be heard. It just doesn't happen all the time. So when it does, I really appreciate those scenes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay,
0: so moving further along into the early aughts, uh, Liz had two very fraught marriages to Rick Lansing, had her first baby, little Cameron, who's now all grown up. Uh, There was also the panic room that Rick trapped Carly in and Faith Roscoe poisoning her and causing her to miscarry, etc. And then she reconciled with Lucky now played or at that point played by Greg Vaughn and during this era Liz who had first been an artist and had worked at Kelly's she found a new career path as a nurse. So I'm curious what you enjoy and is there anything you don't enjoy about playing a nurse on general hospital.
1: I absolutely love it because there's I I love everything medical. Like I am that's what I watch. I love medical shows. Um, I love documentaries that have to do with with medicine in the human body and the brain, and I'm totally into that. So when Elizabeth became a nurse, it was super exciting because I was kind of living out like Becky's dream. <laughs> so um, I've had a blast playing, being, being a nurse, and it's quite surprising that she's not a doctor yet, considering all the years that I've been. <laughs> Well, a Epiphany is taking the MCATs. Maybe Elizabeth will. Same right. Well. Do you, you, you don't have it. Do you have any negative opinions about the scrubs? Like, do you ever get bored of them? So the first day I came back from maternity leave is when Elizabeth all of a sudden was, you know, magically a nurse um, and they <laughs> had scrubs set out for me. And I obviously hadn't worn them before. And when I put them on, I was like, "Wow, this is not flattering. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know who's gonna look good in these." And I didn't understand because they didn't tell me, like, "Oh yeah, by the way, now you're a nurse." I just thought that I was like helping out in the hospital. So I'm like, "Why am I wearing these? Can I just wear normal clothes?" <laughs> no, no, you you need to put the scrubs on. And now. I'm like the envy of every girl in that building because they're basically like pajamas. (laughs) I love them. (laughs) I am a little sad that I had to get rid of my Converse. I used to always wear Converse tennis shoes and um, Frank wanted all the nurses to have matching shoes, like matching white ugly tennis shoes. So I'm sad that there's no longer Converse in in Elizabeth's wardrobe. (laughs)
0: Well, I'm here to say the scrubs fit you great, so they look good enough. (laughs) Thanks. Well, Lucky did get addicted to pills and cheated with Maxie, sending Liz into Jason's arms, and they slept together conceiving Jake. And as time went on, Lucky and Sam got together. So this was sort of the peak era of the Sam-Liz rivalry. Uh, They don't play Liz and Sam together these days a lot, but uh, they should, in my opinion. Um, But talk to us about your relationship with her portrayer, Kelly Monaco, and why she's one of your favorite people to work with. I forgot
1: that, that Sam and Lucky had a thing. That is so bad. <laughs> wow, okay. Well, I'll put that in my little memory box for the next time I work with Kelly. Um, wow, that's awful. Yeah, so I guess they have a, a lot of history. Liz and, and Sam have a lot of history of um, kind of backstabbing each other and <laughs> not being awesome people. Uh, <laughs> But uh, in terms of working with Kelly, like you pretty much everybody knows she's my favorite person and I, I, Kelly and I would be so happy to, to only have to work with each other forever and ever. We don't understand why there's not more scenes with the two of the girls, whether they're, you know, being catty or, or lifting each other up. It's always, it, it's just good. It's just good. To see that on screen, um, people like to see history, and they have history. Um, but Kelly and I work great together. We have we kind of operate the same, where you know we're serious about the material, but in between takes or when we're rehearsing, we're talking about life and you know the weekend and and like face products and <laughs> it's just super casual, and I'm always very comfortable with her up on set. She's she's the best. I love her.
0: And I I, I know from my conversations with her how mutual that feeling is. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, okay, after Liz and Lucky split again, she and Jason got back together and or even engaged for approximately uh, the length of a commercial break. Uh, and then when Jonathan Jackson returned to the show, he and Elizabeth made another go of it. So what was it like for you to reteam with Jonathan a good 10 years after you'd last uh, worked together?
1: Yeah, not going to lie, it was a little awkward. Um, you know, being, we, we were both older, we both uh, experienced different things, in our personal lives. And obviously we had been watching Elizabeth go through a lot of stuff on screen. Um, and when when Jonathan was there uh, originally, <clears throat> we were kids. We were kids playing kids and that was the dynamic. And when he came back, we were supposed to have this very adult, we were adults and we were to have an adult relationship. But I felt like I stepped back into the four musketeers. And so it was a little hard figuring out, like finding our groove because I just felt like Elizabeth had been through so much and lucky hadn't been there. And we no longer, we didn't relate. The characters didn't relate. Um, and so it was. It was a little. It was a little awkward. But it took all of a minute to be comfortable with Jonathan. Obviously, I feel comfortable with him. I think I. It was. I was more hung up on on Elizabeth's feelings mm-hmm. toward him. Mm-hmm. But obviously, if he wanted to come back, I would jump for joy. <laughs> <laughs> um, well,
0: Liz and Lucky's reconciliation was ultimately undone by her affair with Nicholas. Now, a lot of people really got on board with Niz, and other people were not as enthused about the story. Um, yeah. ever make you nervous when you go into a storyline that you know may be controversial or get some pushback from the fans or have them saying, you know, Liz wouldn't do that, maybe like the affair with Nicholas, or her decision, like a few years down the road, not to reveal that Jake
1: Doe was really Jason, you know, the two prime examples. Yeah, you know. <laughs> um, well the whole the whole thing with with Nicholas. Like from from the beginning, when I was told that this was gonna happen, I was totally on board because I felt like that was a very natural thing to happen to the two characters. They'd been in each other's orbit for, you know, over a decade. And um, they've always supported each other and they they love each other and and Tyler and I had great chemistry. We worked, you know, we we did work really well. Together, so I felt that that was a natural thing. I didn't know that the fans were the fans were going to have such a reaction, uh, but I mean, now that I look back, of course they would. Like that was that was terrible. Elizabeth <laughs> was that was not a good move on her part. Um, but yeah, I I thought that it was. Uh, I mean, I I loved playing that because it was part of Elizabeth not being so innocent. And that was fun. That was a lot of fun. I actually did a, a scene the other day with Marcus, and who plays the Nicholas now, and um, he said to Elizabeth, "You know, we have a lot of we have a lot of history." And uh, I say to him, like, oh yeah, let's not talk about that. And he had no idea what that meant. And so I had to tell him, oh yeah, Nicholas and Elizabeth had an affair. And he was just like, no way. <laughs> uh, yep, that happened. Probably should have told you that when you first came here.
0: <laughs> that is hilarious. Uh, okay, so in 2011, uh, Liz's son Jake was killed by a drunk driving Luke. Obviously that fate of uh, Jake's was later undone and Jake is very much alive. Uh, But your performance as Liz upon the loss of her son was so wrenching. Now, I have never known you to have even like the slightest bit of an ego where your work is concerned. But when you have a big day or big scenes like that and you nail them, do you ever give yourself that pat on the back? Like I crushed that.
1: Okay. So one thing about me is that I never really think I nailed them. <laughs> I I go I go back to my dressing room and I replay everything that happened in the scene and I'm I'm really hard on myself which I I'm still working on but I always think like how could I have done that better how could I have said that differently or I didn't I didn't get that word in and, and I'm very um yeah I'm kind of hard on myself in that last half the drive home and then I let it go. But but I don't watch those scenes either because it makes me it gives me a little bit of anxiety to to watch scenes like that because I critique them. Um, So, yeah, I I actually don't remember. I remember feeling slightly intimidated because I'm working with Tony Geary like that was always I always felt intimidated working with him. And and, um, yeah, I don't really, really remember those scenes specifically. Uh, I, just, I, I just remember being really, really nervous because I had to do this big performance with Jonathan and Tony, and, and um, I couldn't, couldn't phone those in. <laughs> can, I, can I ask a part two, which is, if you are the kind of
0: person who is able to, which I think is healthy – Chat about the weekend, chat about skincare, you know, before scenes, how, what is your process for getting yourself to a place of big emotion when that is called for in the script?
1: Well, I remember one time Sarah Brown said, she'd made a comment about, um, people that can't cry on camera, haven't had enough experiences, real life experiences, And I remember thinking, oh, wow, that, so you're pulling from, people are pulling from their real lives, which I had never done before as an actor. So that was something that I tried to, you know, think if this had, if this actually happened to me, how would I respond? But that changed when the kids were involved and when I started having kids in my personal life. Because that is not—it's not healthy for me to put one of my children in the position of, of um, you know, what happened to Jake. I don't want to think that. I don't want to go there. Uh, that's 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 ugly. And oftentimes, I believe that your your body believes what you're thinking and saying. And I didn't want to do that to myself. So um, you know, my my process now is really just putting myself in Elizabeth's shoes. And I am, I love her so much that it's not hard to feel emotional for her. I know exactly, and I know I'm speaking about her like she's this real person, but that's, I have to see it like that. And I, and I know the life that she's lived and how tough it is, how tough it was and, um, everything that she's been through. So that's, I just go straight into Elizabeth's mind and, and that's where I end up. (laughs) But that's great. It's great that you're able to do that through that process.
0: And imagine how much more emotional you're going to be now that you know
1: that Sam slept with Lucky, <laughs> right? Things are totally going to change. <laughs> Kelly, better watch out. The next time Sam and Liz have scenes, this is going to be nasty. So, 2011 was also the year that GH fired you. A move that got so much
0: backlash from fans that the show basically rehired you like a month later. So what was that like for you to go through and what did you take away from the experience?
1: Ooh, that's a big one. That's, that's a lot to unpack. Um, yeah, it was, uh, to be honest, the, the way that I was told that Elizabeth was leaving the show and that I would be leaving the show, um, it wasn't great. Uh, they, it wasn't handled with care or compassion. Um, so it really, really threw me for a loop. Um, the, the details of it, I, I won't go into the details because it'll, it'll, it it'll still blows my mind. Um, but it was really, yeah, it was really difficult. Didn't see that one coming. And I just remember going home and saying, I'm no longer going to be on this show, this part of my life. And um, Michael and I quickly, quickly decided to, we switched gears and we put our house up for sale and we you know made some lifestyle changes because the life of an actor is super unsteady and who knows when i get another job and at that time um you know michael was home with the kids and so our world kind of got turned upside down and then and it was it was four weeks, four weeks of thinking that I no longer had a job, which was enough time to, like I said, make lifestyle changes and put my house up for sale and, and prepare. Mm-hmm. And then Jill Selps, the executive producer at the time, um, met me at work. It was right around the fourth week of me being fired. And she said, we made a mistake. We would like you to stay. And I just remember thinking, this is good news, but I'm not happy. I'm not happy about what I have been through. Through the past four weeks, nobody un- nobody understands what that feels like until it's happened to them. Um, and I've got three babies at home. It was a really difficult time, and, and I and I, I remember thinking I, I really should be excited about this, but honestly, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to have to go home and talk to my husband and, and see what see what we need to do as a family. And obviously, I decided to stay with the show, uh, but that was. That was pretty traumatizing for me. Um, I didn't know the fans were going to react the way they did. And I am forever grateful because I know that it was solely because of them that I still have a job today. It They would not have GH with... The people running GH at the time, they had it was it was narrow minded thinking, and they would not have turned things around and asked me to come back had the fans not been beating down their door. The fans were not going to let them forget that they loved Elizabeth, and it was because of that that minds were changed. And I will just, I'm forever thankful that that happened. I at one point was asked to um, tell my fans. To stop calling and I was like no sorry I'm not going to they can do whatever they want to do and keep it going because it worked
0: wow that's that's pretty amazing oh yeah yeah um well we we all owe a debt of gratitude to the fans uh because we yes. wouldn't be having this conversation and I'm so happy that we are um so uh when Jonathan left the show again and, and Liz and Lucky broke up again Um, The show, you know, it felt like it struggled for some years to find the right pairing for Liz. Um, I know at one point you forgot she had hooked up with AJ, but she did. He was in that mix. Um, (laughs) (laughs) There was a little like Matt Hunter thing that never really blossomed. So, you know, you've been in such popular pairings and then some like less memorable ones. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm curious, you know, in your opinion, why does it sometimes work? sometimes not work you know do you think it has to do with the story the chemistry between actors or some combination and like how would it be divided if it's in combination
1: i think it's definitely a combination of things um they do uh you know they do do chemistry testing um put two characters together and see how they work um so part of it is chemistry. If, if two actors are just not gelling and, and it's super apparent, then they will switch directions. They'll change directions. Um, but also it's storyline driven. You know, if the writers have a different idea about where that character needs to go, then, then that's what happens. And um, like the whole Niz thing with, with Lucky and... Or not like uh, with Elizabeth and Nicholas... I, I'm not quite sure why, why that ended the way it did because we worked really well together. Um, yeah, I don't know, and then I don't know why they put Elizabeth with AJ. That was a very odd pairing and clearly didn't work. Uh, but I do think it's, it's a combination of a, of a lot of things. Well, one pairing that was very successful was Frizz, um,
0: but it is not a pairing that anyone really saw coming. Um, and it might have been prompted by perhaps you saying to Frank Valentini, the show's executive producer, that you wanted to work with his portrayer, Roger Howarth. Um, mm-hmm. But what intrigued you about the idea of working with Roger?
1: He's just so interesting as an actor. And I, I, so sometimes if I'm at work during my lunch break, I used to watch One Life to Live because I was on at 1 p.m., and I, you know, I would catch his scenes and I would think, what, what is he thinking? Like, what is, as an actor, what are you thinking? I wonder how much of that is written and how much of it is improv. Like he's, he's weird. This is, this is kind of crazy, but I can't not watch what his character is doing. Cause it's just, he makes everything interesting. And at the time I don't even know, I don't even know who was Elizabeth with somebody at the time. She I had care. just come off of being like persona
0: non grata because the truth came out that she knew that Jake Doe was Jason.
1: Oh, right, right, right. So she was a bit of a pariah at the time and like people were, uh, yeah, she had a really and he bad was sort good of part. a permanent
0: pariah. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So I just thought like, oh, those two characters would be interesting together um, and so, yeah, I said, hey, that, that would be that would be interesting to watch. Who knew that it was going to be, you know, years and years of a pairing that people absolutely fell in love with? Like, I certainly didn't see that coming, nor did the writers. I know that people were a little, they weren't sure about the whole Franco and Elizabeth thing, and we... We kind of had to dance around the fact that at one point, Franco kidnapped her kid and you know did all these awful things. And there was a lot of, how does Elizabeth justify this? And let's gloss over that. But then the fans wouldn't let you get away with it. It was not easy. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious about whether
0: you were disappointed at all, because this is something I know the fans cared quite a bit about and that, you know, we called out a little bit in the magazine as well, that when during the Franco and Liz courtship, the show brought back Liz's rapist, Tom Baker, but the story was like much more Franco focused than Liz focused.
1: Yes. And I, the honest answer is I don't know why I, I, it didn't make sense to me. Um, didn't make sense to the people who knew Elizabeth's story. It was so short lived and, um, there was no like climax to it. Uh, yeah, I was, I was disappointed for the fans because I felt like that was something that they'd want to see Elizabeth get closure or kill him. (laughs) You know, they, they, they needed something and they were given nothing. It became all about Franco, which yeah, in my opinion, wasn't the right move.
0: Now, seeing Liz in Front Burner Story is something that is very important to the fans for anyone that ever goes on social media or just knows <laughs> what they're talking about. So what does it mean to you that when your fans want more for your character or better for your character and they're so loyal and so loud and make their feelings so clear on social media? I mean, I feel Liz has some of the fiercest champions in all of like soap fandom.
1: Oh, that's so sweet of you to say. I I I mean, I know, I know they're fierce. Um, I think it really helps keep Elizabeth relevant. And, um, you know, sometimes and I don't really know why this happens, but Elizabeth can get pushed to the back and forgotten, which confuses me because she could be in so many different storylines that girl has, she could have her tentacles and all over Port Charles because she's got relationships and, and, knows history of all the characters. So, um, I think, you know, the louder that the fans are, it keeps her, it, it keeps her, um, just alive. And, um, I, I, it amazes me that the fans don't get tired of pushing for her. Well, for the last year or so, you have been working a lot more closely with Michael Easton
0: who plays been. So uh, what has it been like to work with him in your newest pairing?
1: He's great. I am so incredibly lucky to be working with him. He is, has such a, a a gentle spirit about him and he's uh there's no ego with that man at all and he has the right to have a little bit of an ego he's been doing this for a long time and has had some really successful characters um and that man is all about supporting his screen partner and lifting me up and making sure that the story makes sense and he, is, he, he tweaks lines all the time just to make them uh, make more sense or have more of an impact for him and Elizabeth. And he's a, he's a brilliant writer, by the way. Like The way that he's able to, um, the suggestions he makes in our scenes, um, it always works. He has such a, a grasp of, of the relationship between the two characters and where they have each come from that he makes everything better he, I'm just really lucky that I get to work with him. Sounds terrible. He's He's awful. awful. Yeah.
0: Um, (laughs) (laughs) So throughout the year of 2022, GH has been building a mystery about, Liz losing time and Liz doing some very out of character things like setting Franco's studio on fire and clobbering chase over the head and Liz possibly suppressing some traumatic memories. So when you start a story like this without necessarily knowing, you know, what the ending is or what the answer to the riddle is, how, how do you try to go about ensuring that what you're playing is what is intended by the writers?
1: Oh my goodness. That's a big one because... Um, oftentimes I don't know. And especially with this current storyline, there's been a lot of, I don't know what's happening. I don't know where this is going and I don't know what is, what's happening in her mind. There's been a lot, there's, there, there might've been some like shifts in the story as we've gone along. So some things didn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, like, I, for instance, the other day, the scene aired where Elizabeth is in the stairwell and she hears young Elizabeth say, Daddy. And when I read that, I was like, oh, what is this all about? And when I got to work, I asked, like, so what, what is this? Because they wanted me to do the voiceover for saying, Daddy. And they said, so what's happening Oh, we're not really, you know, I don't really know. Like the person I asked, like, I don't, I don't really know. I would have to find out, but we just need a voiceover of you daddy. Like, yeah. But I need to know, like, is she surprised? Is she scared? Is she mad at him or calling him for help? Like, I kind of need to know how to say it. And that's a little bit how it's been with this storyline. So, um, I just keep my fingers crossed that what I'm doing is in line with what the writers intend but it's kind of a guess sometimes,
0: <laughs>
1: sometimes. <laughs> they like five different versions of daddy, like sad daddy, questionable daddy. <laughs> you no, know, that's literally what I did. I did. Yeah. I had to give versions of, of, yeah, because I, I, nobody was a hundred percent clear on what, where this was, what, it, what was intended. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't, and they couldn't reach a writer at that time. Cause it was like first thing in the morning so I have I I don't even know what it sounded like or what the fans perceived it as. I mean, she just looks crazy at this point. She, she looks like she's slipping and I don't, I don't know where she's going. <laughs> well, speaking
0: of daddies, obviously fans have been asking for years to have the character of Liz's dad,
1: Jeff Weber, return. Um, is that something you would hope to see as well someday? Oh, of course. I think it's um, Elizabeth has had such minimal family in Port Charles for all these years um, that it's it, it's kind of sad. And and I think she really and I personally loved when Rebecca Buttock was there because Rebecca and I are just like you know we pick up like nothing ever like we didn't didn't have time apart. She's just a um, a beautiful beautiful person, and so. I, but I know that Elizabeth loved having a sister in town and it was nice to see Elizabeth is different with her family than she is with other people. Um, it's kind of been nice having Terry in her life because it's a childhood friend and she can, you know, have real open conversations with her, um, but yeah, Elizabeth needs some family in, in her life. And of course, I know the fans have been asking since day one, like where are her mom and dad? Let's bring them on. So that would be obviously really exciting. I honestly feel that Elizabeth has a mom in Port Charles, that Laura has been very much so a mother figure to her. So, um, you know, that's something that I, I hope the fans see, that there's a special connection between Laura and Elizabeth. Um, so she's got a mom, she doesn't need another mom. She's got a mom, but yeah, having her dad come back or her sister come back. I mean, it would be, I, you know, fingers crossed. I would love that.
0: I, uh, you like literally took the words out of my mouth. Cause I was going to say that, uh, I think that the beautiful relationship that we've seen build over the decades between Liz and Laura is that, you know, whole concept really brought to life that like love makes a family. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's not about, it's, it's not blood. They, they definitely, they have a special connection as do Jeannie and I. So it's, um, it's, it's really nice. I love having scenes with her. We feel, um, you know, really fortunate that we get to work together. Yeah. She's, she's great. Well, I was
0: going to say for a show that's really synonymous, you know, with Luke and Laura, to people who maybe, you know, in the bigger picture don't know the specifics of the show, but they do know Luke and Laura related to show You've worked there. Uh, portrayers. So, you know, what does that mean to you just to be like a part of sort of that iconic nature of an already iconic show?
1: Yeah, it's kind of, it's funny when when people, if I'm having a conversation and, and they don't currently watch the show, everybody everybody always says, oh, I remember Luke and Laura. I, oh, right. Back in like the late 70s, they got married and like that was a big thing and I went home to watch it and yeah, yeah I remember Luke and Laura. And it, I feel so, um, it makes me chuckle inside to be able to say like oh i married luke and laura's son like i have their grandchild that's how i tie into the show and it makes it gives me roots to to the show which i love and people are always like oh my goodness i can't believe how long ago that was and now they have grandchildren
0: (laughs) it's absolutely pretty 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 incredible um all right well Speaking of history, as we said, you marked your 25th anniversary with the show just this past Monday, August 1st. And it seems like you were good and spoiled by your fans. So what was that day
1: like for you? I was so spoiled, so spoiled. I got to work and there were these amazing balloons in my room. Uh, I mean just like it was so festive in my room with the balloons and the flowers and the gifts I felt like it was a, I was having my own little party in there I i didn't want to <laughs> leave it it was so nice it was so nice walking into that and I really I felt very loved and uh, appreciated and and it just it made my whole day I mean the fans are so sweet when they come to celebrating Elizabeth and celebrating me and and the work I've done. And it just, it makes everything um, worth it. It's just really, it's it's amazing. And there's a couple fans, um, Shannon and Ashlyn, that made a book for me of all the people that I've worked with over the years and took quotes of what they've said about me and put it into this book. And it's, it's like the most incredible gift I've ever received. Um, I, I need them to do that for like my children's lives because <laughs> I don't even know how people find the time to do something like this. But it is something that I'm, I'm just going to cherish forever. And they also raised um, a little over $7,300 for the smile train. So they got, you know, that's a, a nonprofit that fixes cleft lips and palettes and um, for underprivileged people. And they were, their goal was to get enough money to fix 20, to do 25 smiles. And they almost made it to 30. It, it's just, it's amazing what they do. Really, really amazing. mm mm-hmm. That's so awesome. Yeah, it sounds it. Um, Now, before we let you go,
0: can you try to put into words what landing this job back in 1997 has meant to you personally and professionally as you reflect back on it 25 years down the line?
1: (laughs) Wow, that's a really big question. Um, It's, you know, this job has been part of my life for more than half of my life. And um, I just feel so incredibly blessed to have been given this opportunity and to have met so many amazing people along the way. And I've forged some really beautiful friendships um, on and off camera. And um, I, I couldn't have asked for a better job that's conducive of me having a family and living my life and spending time with my kids at home. Um, it's, it's been, it really was my dream to do something like this. And I just feel incredibly blessed.
0: Well, so do Uh, we. You have been a a delight to watch for the last 25 years. Yeah. I I, I was thinking to myself, like when I first started covering general hospital, I just couldn't believe I was going to get to meet you. And it's been such a pleasure. Every time we've spoken, I just adore you. And I'm, Uh you know, when, when someone you've been such a fan of is everything you could want them to be and more. That's very special.
1: Oh, well, I feel the same way about you, Mara, thank you. Well, thank you so much, Becky. It was so great to talk to you and just hear
0: your memories and your stories. And again, happy anniversary. Here's to 25 more. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Rebecca Herbst for being our guest. If you like this podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast.